0: Five years ago, I attended my first ever Christmas morning church service. It was right here at Creston. I'd never been to one before. And as I remember, the the music was gorgeous. The church was beautifully lit. The sermon was inspiring and insightful. But, you know, to tell the truth, that Christmas service was a little strange to me. Uh, I think Andy and Dave played their, their baritones. Uh, Kathy let loose on the organ. We, we sang joy to the world with considerable gusto. Um, it was all very triumphant, which, which is good. Um, Christmas is technically, it's what the, the church calls a feast day, a feast day. Um, and you know what a feast is, right? It's a big party. Well, for hundreds of years, the church has set aside certain days for parties, for feasts, for special church services, and no parties were bigger than the parties that the church threw for Christmas and then also for Easter. Now, most people know about the feast days. Uh, You've probably heard that it's Christmas tomorrow, Um, those are pretty famous. But what a lot of people don't know is that every time the church scheduled one of these big feasts, they also scheduled a fast. Uh, a fast is kind of the opposite of a feast. Um, during a fast, you intentionally don't eat food. You skip meals. Uh, you, you, you try to fill the time that maybe you would be eating with prayer. And service. You, you, you try to volunteer or, or offer your time and energy to those in need. So, anytime they had a big feast, they also had a fast. And I really like that. Um, I like that there were feasts and fasts. You know, during the month of December that we're in just right now, our, our world mostly just tells us to feast, to celebrate, to shop a lot, uh, to party. And, and, of course, there's nothing wrong with, with a party, but you know, it occurred to me again this year as, as I looked around at the world, there's a lot of bad stuff going on. Um, life is hard for a lot of people. And sometimes when you remember how much people are struggling People you know, people around the world. It really seems like fasting, like skipping meals, praying more, serving others. Fasting, it seems, is a better way to respond to the world we live in than feasting. You know, I I remember my family had a big Christmas buffet every year. We had uh, pizza rolls. I don't know if you remember those, um, and chicken wings and bagel bites. Does anybody remember bagel bites? I'm trying to forget bagel bites. Actually, I the thing is, I would I would eat that Christmas was say fe- I would eat it till I was sick. I, I just it was all so good. And and I suspect the same thing's going to happen for some of us tonight or tomorrow or throughout this next week. But while some of us overeat the next week, there will be people around the world who don't have enough to eat. Uh, You know, it's almost the year 2015, and there are still millions of people who are starving, like literally starving to death around the world. Even in our neighborhood, even in our church, there are people who are hungry. Some people are hungry because they're poor, They lost their job, or they have a disability, they can't work. Some people are hungry, especially in other countries, because they live in places where there's been drought. I know the the news has been catching some stories about the drought out west, but there's droughts actually all over the world. There's a really severe one in India. Uh, There are a lot of places in Africa that have been experiencing droughts that have been lasting now for over a decade. Some people are hungry because of drought. Some people are hungry because of diseases. We've talked a lot about West Africa, um, one of the places in the world that could least afford an outbreak like Ebola. Um, Or South Africa, dealing still with the scourge of AIDS. And when you're really sick, of course, you can't go to work. And those places don't always have very many doctors. So a lot of people die of preventable diseases. But sometimes if you get sick, since there's no doctor around, you stay sick for a long time. And if you're sick and you can't work, then a lot of times you can't afford to put food on your family's table. A lot of people are hungry today because of wars. In the Sudan or the Congo, those are places that have had the most horrifying conflicts you can imagine for years. Iraq and Syria are a mess. Nigeria and Pakistan are in a miserable state. And a lot of people are hungry because it's not safe to, to leave their homes, to go to their businesses, to, to go out in the field and farm. And when I think about all that bad stuff, all these people who are hungry or suffering, it is hard for me to want to have a big party. It's hard to enjoy a feast. And it seems like it'd be better to have a fast instead. That's probably why I like Advent so much. Advent is the month before Christmas. And really, it's a season of fasting. Fasting can be such a good thing when it slows us down. When it gets us praying more for this world when it gets us serving other people that seems so good for our world. Sometimes to me, Christmas can seem almost too happy, too settled. Like, like I'm forgetting how hard life is for people. I was thinking a lot about that this week, and, and I think I decided that maybe for me the perfect day, the most honest one for me, is actually today. It's not Advent when we're stuck in fasting, but it's also not quite Christmas when we're feasting, but it's, it's Christmas Eve. Because on Christmas, Day, Christmas Eve, you get a little bit of both, right? Uh, on Christmas Eve, you begin to celebrate, we sang joy to the world. Uh, you have this sense that tomorrow will be a bigger deal, though. You know the big party is coming. That The the presents are just right there under the tree. It's so close you can almost taste it. But it's not here yet. That feast that we're really waiting for, it's not here yet. It comes later. And I think that's a good place for Christians to be. You know, Christmas Eve is still a good day. I love being with you guys today, singing these songs and hearing these Bible verses. I love this. And, and we've got so much to celebrate in the Christmas season. We celebrate that Jesus came these 2,000 years ago, and, and he changed so much. It's hard to overstate it. I mean, by coming as this baby, he, he made it so that we could get to know God. I mean, it was so hard for us to do that before Jesus, but but he came in this form that we could understand. he He became a, a man so that we could learn from him like we learned from our parents or from a teacher or from friends like like people asked him questions and he answered them and, and people talked with him and and he showed what it was like to to live this really good life and, and that's worth celebrating. He showed us what God is like. and of course, it gets even better when he when he grew older. Because what we learned about God through Jesus was mostly how much God loves us. I mean more than anything, that's what His life showed, especially the end of his life, when he went onto the cross and he died for us. It was showing us God's love. No one had ever seen love like that. If Jesus hadn't come, we would not know how much God loves us. So that's worth celebrating. Christmas is a good day. But when I look around at all of you, um, and as, as your pastor, I, I, know, I know some. I know some of the problems that you're facing, just even in your own lives. And they're so hard. And I realize that as good as it is that Jesus came the first time, I need him to come again. I need him to come again. And that's what our passage today is about. If you've been here the last few weeks, you know that we've been talking about this day in the future when Jesus will come back and when he will judge all that is evil and unfair and when he will cleanse this world of all that is wrong and broken and, and he'll, set up, he'll set up what the Bible calls a, a new heaven and a new earth. And in Revelation 22, we get a picture of what that world will be like when Jesus returns. And it's, it's kind of poetic. It's kind of symbolic. I'm not sure it's exactly like a photograph, but whatever it is, it is so beautiful. It, it is so beautiful. The first thing is heaven is like a city. I think that's so interesting. I know, I know some people kind of, you know, we think about you need to go to the country or you need to get out into nature to experience God. heaven is like a city. And I, I was thinking about why that might be, and it occurs to me that in a city there's lots of people. And that means that cities have more image of God per square inch than anywhere else. And that's true even today in cities, by the way. But we just don't see it, right? there's so much sin. It's messing everything up. We don't treat each other. We don't treat each other like the miracles we are. I mean, you're a miracle. You're created in the image of God. But somehow I can treat you like you're an inconvenience to me. Not in heaven. In, In heaven, we will never forget that people are created in the image of God. You know, there's this weird detail in verse 4. It says we will have God's name written on our foreheads. Um, I read that to somebody today as I was visiting with them, and they kind of scrunched up their face. It's it's a reference to, uh, to the high priest in the Old Testament. He used to write God's name on his forehead before he'd go into the Holy of Holies. Um, one day a year you could go into this part of the temple it was the most holy part of the temple and and he would write the name of God on his forehead and so I think in this passage it probably means that we can be close to God like it seemed like that priest was close to God but the other thing I thought is if we've all got God's name written on our forehead then none of us will ever miss this fact that you belong to God (laughs) like the people around you belong to God They are walking miracles. It'll be a city filled with the image of God. And it's a city with a river. All the best cities have a river. And you know what this river means. I guess it could mean a lot of things, but there's no drought here. I mean, maybe that doesn't seem like a big deal to us. I mean, we live in the middle of all this fresh water, but there's no drought here. In fact, um, it says that the trees are giving their fruit every month. What tree does that? That's crazy. I think it's John's way of saying there will be so much abundance. There will be plenty for everybody. And then he says that there will be no more night. Anyone ever get afraid of the dark? I do sometimes. Sometimes. In heaven, there is no darkness. I think that means there will be nothing to be afraid of. (laughs) I know it's just a glimpse, but that's what we're looking forward to. So, you know, I'm glad Jesus came the first time. I'm, I'm glad that we can know what God is like. I'm glad that that we know what it looks like to have a relationship with God by having faith in Jesus Christ. That's all worth celebrating at Christmas. But me, I can't wait for the really big party. For the day when Christ comes back and makes everything the way it's supposed to be. Let's pray together. Lord, we give you thanks for coming to this world.